You're listening to Faith by Hearing with Dave Delaney. Christian conversations about faith, family, and friends. First time there was an escaped convict in the mall, and they had police on every exit in two helicopters when we walked outside. What? They were just like standing at the door watching everyone leave. Why would you go to the mall? I guess to blend in. And you're just like, I gotta get out of this orange jumpsuit. Yeah. Alrighty, here we go. Well, welcome to episode five of Faith by Hearing podcast. Thank you for tuning in. And uh, I trust you had a great Thanksgiving. I know that I did with my family. What about you, Evan? Did you guys have a good time? I did. I had a, I, I was with you on Thanksgiving. Pastor invited us over, so we fried a turkey in his backyard, baptized him into that culture. <laughs> that was amazing. Yeah, it was good. Very good day. He injected this butter into the turkey, like legitimate butter injected into the turkey. Yep. It was pretty amazing. I'll have to do that from now on anytime I'm making a turkey. What about you, Derek? Did you guys have a good time at Thanksgiving? Very relaxing Thanksgiving. Sat around, watched football, ate wonderful dinner made by my wife. Did you watch football or did you watch I watched soccer? American football. American football. Yes. Okay. The World Cup is happening. America's. Uh, were there games on Thanksgiving? There were games on Thanksgiving. Yeah. Probably in the morning, right? Yeah, yeah. Not America didn't play that day, but did they win yesterday? They tied, which they're saying is like a win because they weren't expected to. Because they were expected to get yeah obliterated. Hmm. So now their destiny's in their hands. If they win, they're in. Wow. Yep. They're they win. They're in. So. Welcome to uh, Faith by Hearing. I think we have a, a couple comments from the social media pages for our discussion today. Evan, you want to tell us about that? Yes, sir. We've had a couple different topic requests come in in the last couple of weeks, and both of them are great discussions. I'm sure we will get to um, before too long. But um, someone had written in and asked about biblical leadership. They said that they feel like there is a ton of information out there, but not a ton of biblical information out there. And I, I kind of agree with their sentiment. So um, I would love to have a discussion about leadership from a biblical perspective to see if we could help him as well as others who would listen. Yeah, I think there's lots of uh, great resources available. We put a, a few of them down here, and I want to hear from you guys on what your favorite leadership book is. But a couple of ones that kind of come to my mind, Excellence in Leadership, written by John White which I would highly recommend, and then also a book simply entitled Lead, 12 Gospel Principles for Leadership in the Church, written by Paul David Tripp, another great book on leadership. If you're looking just for kind of a broad overview of, of church leadership, biblical leadership, spiritual leadership, those two books kind of hit the mark. Um, what about you guys? Any uh, books kind of come to mind for you know just recommendation on leadership principles? One that I had recommended to me a couple of years ago was Tender Warrior by Stu Weber. It's a really good book on manhood specifically, but it has a lot about leadership in there as well. Um, I would say The Art of War by Sun Tzu. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, my favorite is kind of new, so I hesitate to even recommend it, but um, Craig Rochelle came out with a book this year, Lead Like It Matters. Have you read that yet? Mm -mm. I, I just finished it a few weeks ago, and it, it's a very good book. Going back... Also, kind of along the lines of Derek said, um, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People is not a directly a leadership book, mm -hmm. but it really is. Another great book that was, um, it's been around for a long time, Ordering Your Private World. Mm -hmm. Really good book. Just lays down some 
good principles. Maybe not so much about leadership principles, but just life. I, f- I feel like the, the two of those things kind of work hand in hand. So I feel like those two things really work hand in hand. So when you have a conversation about leadership, our society is trending in a way that, you know, the egalitarian spirit really discourages real forms of of biblical leadership. And I think any conversation about leadership has to start with the need for leadership because it can be tempting in our society to reject any kind of authority, any kind of leadership, whether that would be biblical, spiritual, or, you know, even at the office or in your home. The Old Testament book of Judges, probably not a book that many people have spent much time thinking about. There's uh, not a whole lot of stories in there that inspire, you know, good Christian living, especially not at the holiday seasons. But there is a lesson in the book of Judges, and the lesson that runs from the first chapter to the last is that God's people desperately need godly leadership. And when godly leadership is absent, chaos and sin abounds. I think of the verse there at the end of Judges that every man did what was right in his own eyes. And when when we fail to yield to godly leadership or when we fail to rise to the need for biblical leadership, this is the kind of chaos that happens. So probably my favorite story in Judges is Samson. Obviously, lots of lessons to learn in that. God's enabling, empowering strength, the subtlety and deceptive nature of sin. What about you guys? you have a, a favorite story in, in Judges that comes to mind? I've always liked the story of Ehud. As a kid, I liked the story of Ehud because it's gross. Yeah. But now I think it falls in line with the rest of the story, the narrative of the book of Judges, that anytime things have been mishandled for an extended period of time, there's not always a pretty way to fix it, and that's okay. Yeah. Like when God calls you to any situation of leadership, big or small, that you need to step into the role God's given you. And that probably isn't stabbing some man so deep that your knife is absorbed by his bowels, right? <laughs> so it's a great lesson right after the Thanksgiving week, right? Yeah. yeah. What about you, Derek? The story that comes to my mind is the story of JL sticking a spike through this guy's head. It was always just uh always grabbed my attention as a kid and you know helped me remember that God can use anybody. The real emphasis of all of those stories, whichever one you tend to read or enjoy, is that without godly leadership to lead us, to correct us, to protect us, we always move toward the direction of our of our sinful desires. And so much of what we see in our world today is a result of a lack of godly leadership. So what are some of those things maybe that we we could point to in our society and say, if there were godly leadership on the scene in that scenario, we maybe wouldn't see the kind of sinful, chaotic, destructive things being being played? I think the um, organization and downfall of our public school system is one that I think of often, just how the, the point that academic standards and behavior standards and 
all these things have gotten to in our public schools where just the most, it seems like you see all the time, the most insane things are being allowed in schools across our country. Yeah. And that's what happened is we, the leadership is, when they take the Bible out of the school, they took the Bible's principles out of the school's leadership. And that's what we see. So you can also see the correlation of the lack of biblical leadership in the home and then the rise in general vagrancy. And, you know, you see prison statistics of how many, how many children in juvenile detention or people in prison who grew up without that kind of leadership in their home, nothing really to to look forward to, no one to be an example to them, to tell them what is right and wrong, and that kind of leadership that's missing has got ripple effects across the generations. Yeah. I, I look at our just government system in general, and when the wicked rule, the Bible says, the righteous flee, the peace is gone, mm. chaos ensues, and when the righteous rule, there's peace that abounds, there's prosperity that abounds, there's joy that abounds, because the righteous in this understanding or the wicked in that understanding would be following the biblical principles that's laid down for us. But I think the point for this conversation, and at least at the start of this conversation, is that we need biblical leadership. That's the point we're trying to make. And the tendency in our society is to reject biblical leadership. But God in His wisdom and in His design has built the world with authority structures. He's given to men responsibility of leading their families. In Ephesians 5, he's given us the responsibility of leading in the church, 1 Timothy chapter 2, 1 Timothy chapter 3. He's given to husbands and wives the responsibility of raising their children in Ephesians chapter 6. He's given employers the responsibility of leading employees in Ephesians chapter 6. He's given Governments, the responsibility of leading and protecting societies in Romans chapter 13. God has built the world with uh, the principles and the structures for, for godly leadership. But what we must do is we must use the leadership that God has given to us in a way that's pleasing and honoring to Him. And we're also called to submit to God-given leadership in our life. So those who lead best serve and submit to leadership first. Hmm. And I think what's important to say at this point is no one is beyond leadership. No no one ever gets to the place in their life where they do not have to yield to authority. They do not have to yield to leadership. We all have a leadership over us, but we all have a leadership that's under us. And being the right kind of leader, it's begins with recognizing the reality of this. But I would also say that leadership is is not easy. It's not simple to do. In fact, biblical leadership, as was asked in the question, doesn't come naturally to any of us. You may have had good examples of, le- of leaders in your life, but if you don't have the Holy Spirit leading in you, then you're not going to be the kind of biblical leader that that you ought to be. And I think that's one of the reasons why there's such an absence of leadership in the world today is because oftentimes we're, we're striving to simply implement a professional model of leadership as opposed to walking in true biblical leadership, being sensitive to the Holy Spirit in our life. I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but I do think it's worth considering why there's an absence of biblical leadership in our world today. 
and I'll maybe start with this by just saying ignorance is, I think, a, a contributing factor to, to this. And some some folks simply don't know how to lead. Maybe they don't know that they're called to lead. They've never seen an example of leadership. And so they're missing this knowledge that's supposed to be transmitted from generation to generation to generation. So ignorance is a big reason why there's an absence of leadership. What else? I think uncertainty uh, and fear kind of run together, um, really, in that people may have an idea, whether it's a thorough understanding or a simple understanding of what they, God's calling them to do or what they, is the right to do as a biblical leader. Um, but having the confidence and the courage to step into that role is is lacking in a lot of situations. You look at the confusion that we see in our world today, even at the level of who are you, right? What are you? And that carries over into the leadership in the lives of a lot of people, as well as the responsibility that comes along with leadership um, can create fear and uncertainty. Just that I know that I know what I'm supposed to do in this situation. I have an idea of how to lead, but I don't want to be the one who answers if it goes wrong. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that that keeps a lot of people and in times in my own life. That's kept me from wanting to step into a role as a leader. So I think you can look at the lack of the biblical worldview and see how easy it is for regular people who should be leaders to just become apathetic about their role in leadership. It's easier to be disengaged. It's easier to sit back and, and let other people take the lead and then call them out for something or just to, to complain about something they did instead of doing it yourself and kind of just be apathetic about it in general. In general, Yeah, that's the, all those are great points. And we could, we could probably name 10 others, but the point I think is at least made that when we can't manage these realities, um, whether it's apathy or fear or self-doubt or ignorance, then we tend to move in unhealthy leadership directions. And what we find ourselves doing is simply reacting to everyone and everything around us. Great leaders pay attention to the emotions they're feeling, the insufficiencies or insecurities that they have. They know how to manage those. And rather than react to those insecurities or feelings, they're they're proactively looking for solutions or opportunities to to navigate them. Henry Cloud, in his book entitled Necessary Endings, says that there are essentially three kinds of people in life and in leadership. He says there's wise people, there's foolish people, and there's evil people. So leadership is not simply an act. Do these 12 steps and you'll poof, you'll be a leader all of a sudden. But leadership is is a collection of habits, habits that either are wise or foolish or evil. And the difference between wise people and foolish people, and we'll talk more about this on the last point, but is how they deal with the truth or the information that they're given back. Wise people encounter the truth and they change as a result of the truths that they're hearing from the people around them. Foolish people encounter truth and refuse to change. Mm-hmm. They're stubborn or stuck in their ways. 
And, and as hard as it is to admit, there are evil people who intend to harm, who intend to manipulate or use. They don't have someone's best interest at heart. And that is a counterfeit to biblical leadership. In our culture today, that gets talked about a lot. And I don't want to spend a lot of time on this one either, but I think it's important for us to say that there, there is a counterfeit to biblical leadership. Oftentimes that's called toxic leadership. So let's talk about that just quickly, about toxicity in leadership. And I think sometimes in our culture, that word toxic leadership gets thrown around a lot. But what co- what comes to your mind when you hear the phrase toxic leadership? I think that it's uh, goal-oriented, not people-oriented leadership. That's kind of, I think of people who are just driven towards what they want to accomplish and uh, people are tools to, to, to that end. Is kind of the first thing. So manipulative, right? Controlling. Okay. What about you, Derek? What comes to mind also is hypocrisy. That kind of idea that what I have to say applies to you, but the exception is me, and and I do what's right in my own eyes, and you have to do what I say, not as I do. That can be a huge warning flag for for that kind of toxic leadership. I don't want to um, step on any toes, but I do want to say what toxic leadership is not, and that is. Anytime your leader does something you don't agree with or like. I think in our world, that's kind of our favorite buzzword, it seems like, over the last few Mm -hmm. years to say, this guy's a toxic leader because whatever. And really, if you break down what you're saying, it's something that you don't like or you don't agree with that you were hurt by, which is unfortunate. And I think there's some validity to that. That doesn't mean that everything about the way a leader leads is now toxic because a situation that you were involved in didn't end well. Yeah. So I think that we need to say what it's not. I think that's a great point to make, Evan. And what we're talking about as leadership is, again, not an act, but a habit. So we we all have sinful areas. We all have imperfections. So when toxic leadership is being talked about, it's talked about in the habits that this particular person has the habit of manipulating somebody, the habit of being hypocritical, the habit of being divisive, um, the habits of being abusive toward others, using shame or fear to get someone to do something that you want them to do, that the habit of doing that. I do think we should we should highlight that Toxic leadership also is immorality of any sort. Mm. So using people for your own selfish pleasure because you have a position of leadership over them is the purest form or impure form of toxic leadership. Right. And anytime that the habits, those kind of habits are being demonstrated, we can unreservedly say that's toxic leadership. And that kind of leadership is actually presented in the Bible. You can look at the kings in the Old Testament, and most of them are using people for their own selfish gain, and they're not leading from a place where they have someone's best interest at heart, but they have their own selfish ideas at heart, and they're leading from that position. So habits reveal what kind of leadership that you have. 
You know, it makes me think, and Pastor had asked me about this, and I checked into it. It makes me think of the black walnut tree. You know, black walnuts, they produce a chemical compound called juglone. And what that does is harms and stunts the growth of every plant within the sphere of the root system. So let's say the roots underneath that tree extend 20 feet out. It's very challenging for other things to grow anywhere above those roots because of that chemical compound that's Hmm. released. And in the same way, when a toxic leader is selfish, is personally oriented rather than others oriented, and all these habits that we're going to get into here in the next few minutes, it's not just bad for that leader. It's bad for everyone who's within their sphere because it's so much harder to grow when that's what's looming over you. Yeah, that's a great point. When sin is not dealt with by confession, repentance, being held accountable to others, it wrecks havoc, it causes danger, it hurts people. And I've been guilty of that more times than I would like to admit in my own spheres of leadership. But the way to combat spiritual toxicity is through spiritual maturity. Mm. And the culture has this preoccupation with leadership that I think has invaded the church, where even as Christians, we tend to be captivated by, quote, good leaders, and we substitute, well, I want a good leader for, I want a mature believer. And a mature believer is a good leader, Mm. someone who's wise someone who can handle correction or instruction, sensitive to the Holy Spirit, acknowledges and asks forgiveness of sins, repents, and actually has physical change, those are the kind of individuals who are biblical leaders. And that's important to note because what we think sometimes we may want as a leader or what a leader should look like is not what you may find a spiritual leader is. You look at Jesus Christ and his time on earth, the Jews who were looking for, they thought the Messiah would be a political leader, right? To free them from the, from Rome. And they rejected him. Mm-hmm. They, they knew this was not the guy that they wanted. This He couldn't be the Messiah. He's not here to free us from Rome. So even in the, the perfect example of Christ, the way that he led was not what was appealing to I don't know if the fleshly side of man is the right word, but it wasn't appealing to the culture, and the same would be true for a spiritual leader today. Right. The story that I think about in light of that is Saul and the children of Israel. Give us a king, give us a king. And they choose someone who looks like a king, talks like a king, walks like a king, smells like a king. That's got to be a king. And the Lord says... No, that's that's not what I have in mind for you. And they've they've chosen someone who has all of the leadership characteristics, but not someone who's who's got spiritual maturity and spiritual depth to them. Mm-hmm. And I I think that is probably a perfect segue into talking about well what what are those characteristics? What's what what are the habits of biblical leadership that we should strive for in our own heart and in our own life. So leadership is not an act. Leadership is a collection of habits. And so here are here are four habits that we ought to have 
to be able to grow in our biblical leadership. Here's the first one. Trust in God's sovereignty while accepting responsibility. So learning to trust in God and follow Him and His plan and His path and His purpose and accepting whatever responsibility is laid to you and to me inside of that. So oftentimes what we want to do is we want to say, well, fine, I'm going to trust in God, but I'm not going to accept responsibility for any part that I may play in this. Or we do the opposite of that and we say, this is all me. This is all my strategy. Here's my seven steps to a happy life. As opposed to saying, no, it's not our awesomeness or our creativity or our ingenuity. It's ultimately God. It's God's plan. It's God's word. It's God's spirit that we're following. And at the same time, we're accepting whatever responsibility of needing to be courageous, of needing to be honest, of needing to be repenting, of needing to humble ourselves and respond appropriately to whatever that leading may look like. So biblical leadership is trusting God's sovereignty and accept, accepting responsibility along the way. You find it's the same as most of the Christian disciplines that we've talked through on this podcast where it's a sense of balance, right? There's a middle ground where you're not taking your hands off and anything that goes wrong, well, that's God's doing what he's doing and we're just following him. And you're also, you can't put your hands all the way on and give God no room to work and take responsibility and claim every success as your own, right? There's balance to it. I think one of the ways that this is easily made an illustration is in the home where the husband says, well, I, I'm at church three to thrive. I never miss a service. So bless God. I'm trusting God's sovereignty. I'm making sure my wife and kids are reading the Bible, but he's never talking kind to his wife hmm. and he's never taking his kids out for individual time with them. So he's blaming it almost, right? Any leadership failure, he's blaming it on God. Well, I went to church, I gave offerings, I made my kids read their Bible, and it's all perfunctory in mm -hmm. that way, as opposed to saying, yeah, you should make a priority of church and scripture reading, and but you should also talk kind to your wife and take her out on a date. And you've also been rude and, and mean to your children. So Striking that balance of saying, I'm trusting God's sovereignty, but I'm accepting whatever responsibility I may have in leading this particular organization or family. The second point I would make here of habits of good, of biblical leadership would be responding to God, not just responding to the people that you're leading. Leadership inevitably puts a tension between the present and the future. Mm. Because a, a leader's heart is already in the future. I, I think in the Bible, Abraham was gripped by a vision for the city of God that God had called him to out of, the, out of the land of Ur. But at the same time, he's living in a tent in the middle of the desert. The funny idea there is Sarah, his wife, following him going, I thought you said this was going to be a city you know, made by God. And they're pitching a tent in the middle of the desert, or Moses and leading the children of Israel to a land that flows with milk and honey. 
Meanwhile, two million plus people are eating manna every day. So there's a vision that God has given for the future, but there's a reality of, of the present. So leadership is choosing to be devoted to God's calling, embracing what God is calling you toward, regardless of what people's opinion or circumstances around you may, may be. It's responding to God, not just responding to people. In the meantime, right, where we all live and we all live and lead in the meantime, very few of us are at that future goal. And if you are, you probably have another one already. So to fill that time in the desert and to lead effectively and still have a fruitful life while you're pitching a proverbial tent, um, what can you do today to move towards that city of God? What can you create today? How can you prepare people today? What habits and systems can you form in your family, in your church, in your youth group, and whatever you're leading? What habits can you form to prepare the people that you're leading for that future city, for that future goal? We'll give you a way to have something of worth and something that feels successful at the end of a day in the desert, but still is moving you towards that goal that God's put in your heart. Yeah, absolutely. I could also see from a different way you can look at this is seeing how as a biblical leader— we should be more spiritually mature than, than people who we are leading. And those people don't always know what they need. If a parent did everything a child wanted to do, if that's if the only feedback they, they took was feedback from their own children and not, hey, this is, this is what I, they actually need, then they wouldn't be doing right by their children. In the same way, a spiritual leader who only reacts to the feedback of their, of their followers or their people in their sphere of influence, they're not going to be leading them the best way they should be led. Absolutely. I, I think that's a really good point, that sometimes as a leader, you have to be okay with the people you're leading being disappointed in you hmm. because their expectation of you wasn't met. Which, of course, as we already pointed out, it's going to be unmet in some level because we're sinful people. So being okay with saying, I know what God is leading me in, and I'm responding to Him. I'm not simply putting this out for a poll. I'm, I'm responding to His direction in my life. I think a third thing for leadership, trusting God, responding to God, and this is where it can be hard, is being obedient to God even when others aren't around. A, a leader is someone whose life is rooted in integrity. And people watch your life, and, and rightly so. But they watch if there's a consistency in the words, if there's a consistency in the actions, if there's honesty and truthfulness that's demonstrated in promises that you made that you're keeping, whether it's big things or small things, all of that builds credit to the leader's account. So people watch how you talk to your children, how you interact with your wife, how loyal you are to your friends. If you're prone to grumble or complain, if we lead from a position of integrity, the rest will fall into place. But if we lead 
from a position where we lack integrity, the rest will be chaos. Hmm. And we have to be obedient to God even when there aren't others around us. We listened to a podcast recently about an undercover cop who was commissioned to basically catch a lot of people in, in the act of, of this specific crime. Poaching. One of the, it was poaching it turkeys. Was <laughs> turkey poaching, something I never thought I'd, I'd listen to a podcast about. But he said the way he kept his story straight, he basically was, was in part of incriminating 26 different people. And the way he kept his story straight with each of these men with his false identity is as he would tie them to his actual life and his actual background. And tying his false identity to his real identity was what enabled him to keep his story straight with all these people. And I think similarly with, with like we're talking about leadership, if you are who you say you are, you're not having to watch your back and, and make sure you're doing what you're saying because it's, it's already there. You're already living what you're saying. You're already living by the truth. You don't have to, oh, I wonder if that person heard me say this, or I wonder if this person sees me now. Or if you're living the truth, you don't have to worry about things like that. You don't have to worry about keeping your story straight. Yeah, absolutely. So I think fourth and last is investing in the people that God has given to you. So, so leadership never stops at words. Much of your gifts of leadership are to be used in serving the people who follow you. And people want to know that if they follow you, are you simply using them to accomplish your own heart's desires? Or are you serving them so that they can accomplish what God has put on their heart? And, th- and they have their own destinies that they want to fill, fulfill. They have their own places and positions they want to get to in life. And part of your responsibility as a biblical leader is to take what God has given to you and to invest it in them, which will help them reach the goal that they have. So we said four, four habits, really, that make a biblical leader. Trusting in God's sovereignty while accepting responsibility. Responding to God, not responding to the people that you're leading. Being obedient to God, even when others aren't around. And then investing in the people that God has given to you. Using the gifts and the understanding and the discernment that God has given you as a leader, but using it not for your benefit, using it for the benefit of the people who are following you, helping them get to where God has called them to be. I think those are four habits that really propel you down the road of biblical leadership. I like those a lot because if you think, if you're at home and you're a 16-year-old junior in high school, and you don't view yourself as a leader at all, right? In every in your family, in your church, in your school, you're a follower in every situation right now. Those are four habits that you can implement, right? Those these are not exclusive to people who lead large organizations. Anyone can trust in God's sovereignty while still taking personal responsibility for their actions. Anyone can be more keyed into the obedience to God than they are to pleasing of people. Mm-hmm. These are all things that wherever you're at you can implement and you need to because you'll wake up one day and be a leader. Absolutely. It happens so fast. I feel like that's where I'm at right now where two years ago I was a single college student 
And in the last two years, I have a wife, I have a baby on the way. I'll be at a small role. I have a small role in leadership here at, at our church. And all these things have come on so fast. Mm-hmm. And the habits that you develop wherever you're at now, if you feel like it's going to be light years before you need them, it's going to be a couple of nights sleep and you're going to wake up and find yourself in a place where you're answering to God, not just for yourself anymore. I think what's important to make sure we point out too is that this is really a conversation about spiritual maturity. It less a conversation about five steps to be a good leader. Hmm. If we grow spiritually, if we grow in our relationship with God vertically, then our relationship with others horizontally will be what it needs to be. So the way to combat spiritual toxicity, the way to combat toxic leadership in the truest sense of the word is to be spiritually mature. And these are four steps that all of us can take right now to help grow in spiritual maturity. And we want to thank you so much for tuning in with us today. We have a couple things that we want to make you aware of as it relates to our Faith by Hearing podcast. So Evan and Derek are going to tell us a little bit about that right now. Go ahead and send in what you'd like to hear about. Chip Faulkner had the courage to send a message, and he got a whole episode today. And a shout-out. And a shout-out, yeah. Because of, he just threw out what he would like to hear about, and here we are. Um, I hope it's helpful to him, and I know it will be helpful to many others. But if there's something you'd like us to talk about, be sure to send it our way. We would love to uh, get into God's Word and find some truth regarding that subject, Um, as well as other feedback. I want to do something fun this week. We all have subconscious habits, all right? And if you at home, while listening, have noticed that I always say, and, uh, or something, you know, we, I feel like we all have little speech habits that we've worked in that we are not noticing. It would be funny as well as probably a little bit corrective for you to send those to us. It might, might hurt our feelings. We might never do this again. Uh, but if you notice that we have, uh, tells that we say when we are thinking or nervous or, uh, whatever it may be, send those our way. It could be funny. As well as buy a hat. We'll send you some stickers in the box with it. And uh, those are $25 plus shipping. Send us a direct message on Instagram if you'd like one of those. Uh, Jordan Dow's hat will be in the mail this week. He won one. If you want to match him, if you want to look just like Jordan, then send us $25 plus shipping and we'll get you a hat. Don't forget to uh, follow us if you're following us on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts. Uh, According to our analytics, 73% of you listening... You only listen, you do not follow. So make sure you hit that subscribe button so that you can know when our next podcasts are coming out and automatically download them. And while you're there, since you're already smashing one button, yeah, go ahead, scroll down a little bit to where those five gray stars are and make sure you push the fifth one. Fifth one from the left. Yeah, from the left. <laughs> Give us a rating. It doesn't have to be five stars. You can be honest. I don't see why it wouldn't be, but... You know, we can we can take a little heat. So leave us a rating and review. That would also help us in uh, conquering the algorithms of the internet today. So do that for us if you would. Well, that's it for this week on Faith by Hearing. Thank you for listening. We hope it's a help, and we look forward to next week.